Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 8A of my real estate investing series. In this episode, we are talking about every possible way to save money while negotiating on an apartment in New York City. talking about all the ways to save money while you are negotiating on property in New York City. Of course, a negotiation is give and take made up of what you're getting and what you're giving. This episode is dedicated especially to what you are getting in the transaction, the money that you're saving and what you're getting from the seller. Oftentimes, there is plenty of room to negotiate for savings on a New York City property. These savings, when negotiated strategically, often look very different than simply reducing the asking price of a property. Of course, there are some times when a property is not negotiable at all. I will quickly go over that with you on how to identify those, but usually there is at least some wiggle room in the price for savings. So really quickly, before I get into how to save money, I do want to briefly talk about when you actually don't want to negotiate, when it is going to be futile. So usually when a property is very unique, there aren't others like it currently available on the market. Coupled with a high demand for that property, you really do tend to see properties like this end up going higher than their original asking price, usually ending up with bidding wars and having multiple buyers bidding for the property by placing off. These tend to be your unique townhouses, maybe with like original details, apartments that aren't really cookie cutter. Another way to recognize a property that's not worth negotiating on are properties that are clearly priced well below the fair market value. This is a pricing strategy used by some real estate agents where you price the property way below the fair market value in an attempt to get the most number of people into the doors looking at the apartment. This usually results in a very high number of initial offers and this strategy typically does drive the asking price up because you will have a bidding war. So in these situations, I usually say if you really want the property, don't bother negotiating or offering below the asking price because it'll likely result in you not even being in the seller's consideration set and you would ultimately lose the property. If you're not all that familiar with the exact pricing of property in the neighborhood, then the way to recognize that this is going on and that a property is priced well below the market value, usually is if you attend an open house and you see that it's completely packed. Usually this is because that property is just priced like too good to be true pricing and it's going to result in many offers coming in. When a seller sees that their open houses are packed with people, they know there's a lot of demand for the property and therefore they're going to be less likely to want to negotiate with you. If you would be heartbroken if you lose the property, then I would recommend taking it very seriously and not attempt to negotiate on those. Okay, now that we've addressed that, let's talk about the ways to negotiate. So once you've evaluated the comparables and recent sales in the area or within the building, and you've determined that this apartment is priced with a little bit of wiggle room to spare, it's priced a little bit over for the fair market value, you definitely want to negotiate on this property. Something that is extremely important to know that I spent all of episode seven talking about is that when you're analyzing the comparable properties and the comparable sales, you should not be only looking at the sales price.
price. There are other things that you need to take into account to really compare the value of these properties against each other. In order to properly compare the pricing on apartments, you really need to be comparing the overall monthly carrying cost. If you didn't catch episode seven, it's really important and I went into all the detail on this, so definitely go check it out right after you see this one. Also, when you're trying to figure out if there's wiggle room in the pricing of an apartment based on comparable sales, you also do wanna look at the price per square foot if possible. This is definitely tedious work, but you don't have to worry because your buyer's agent is going to provide you with a comparable analysis report that is going to help you frame your offer so that you ultimately net out at the price you want to pay for the unit that you feel is fair. So here are tips for negotiating. Firstly, you always wanna make sure that you are negotiating in an educated and professional manner, which is going to ensure that you get what you want. If the seller sees that you are shooting in the dark or that you seem to only care about your benefit in the negotiation, you run the risk of the seller getting even more firm on their price or refusing to engage with you at all, which of course puts your deal at great risk. As a certified negotiation expert and having worked on so many transactions, I've learned the ways to successfully get what you want without losing the property that you're going after. And of course, nothing is foolproof and real estate really deals with human beings, people who are making decisions based on their emotions. So there are always unpredictable situations that don't go according to plan. But the tips I'm sharing with you in this episode are usually very, very effective. When you are approaching a negotiation, you do want to keep both sides in mind. You never want to approach a negotiation too selfishly. The only way for a negotiation to succeed is if both parties feel that they have won. So consider what you want and what you are willing to give. Your starting bid is very important because it is how the seller gets their first impression of you. As an example of a fair starting bid, I have an example here for you. And this example only takes into consideration the sales price. And this example illustrates a very common misperception about negotiating, and you'll see it right now. So let's say that a property is priced at $1,100,000, and given your analysis of the comparable sales, you think that the fair price for the apartment is actually $1 million. This would obviously be a big discount here, that's a difference of $100,000, but the purpose of using these numbers was to keep the numbers round and easy to illustrate this takeaway. I may also provide a little graphic here to help illustrate. So here is how many people would attempt to negotiate this apartment that is listed for $1.1 million. You wanna get them down to 1 million, right? So you want to get $100,000 off the price. Intuitively, many people may think that they need to start another $100,000 below where they wanna net out so that ultimately you meet in the middle back at that $1 million price mark. You may be surprised to hear that this is not the best way to negotiate on this property. That initial offer of $900,000 is $200,000 below the asking price, and it's a whopping $100,000 below the fair market price. That's pretty unreasonable. In response, the seller may think that you are irrational, they may think you are unreasonable, 
they may think that you don't actually have the budget for the true price of the apartment or that you're just messing around and looking to lowball and that you are ultimately not worth negotiating with. So these are all things that are going to hurt you. You risk the seller just completely disregarding your offer and not even coming back with a counter offer. So here is a much more strategic way to negotiate on this property and have a much better chance at getting what you want. So you should place an initial offer of $980,000. This is much more reasonable and much closer to the fair market value of the apartment. As a result of placing this much more reasonable offer, the seller sees that clearly you are educated on the market and that you are serious and worth negotiating with. The seller may counter you by coming down by 50K, let's say. So now the seller is at 1,050,000 and you are at 980,000. So now you're in round two of the negotiation and you have the opportunity to come up to 1,000,000. You can also communicate at this stage that this is your best and final offer if you really don't wanna pay a dollar more for the property. If the fair price for this property is truly that one million dollars and the seller has not received offers above that one million dollar price point they likely will come down again and meet you at that price at one million dollars again I used round numbers to illustrate this initial offer strategy you shouldn't expect to get a hundred thousand dollar discount on a property price at 1.1 million dollars although in today's market you really never know so that prior example showed how to strategically negotiate on the asking price but really there are so many other things that you can negotiate on besides the price of the apartment itself. As I mentioned in previous episodes, the seller of an apartment hires a real estate agent to sell their apartment for the highest possible price. Part of the accomplishment for that seller's agent is actually being able to record the highest possible price for that apartment. It's what they were hired to do. It's a career achievement. So with that in mind, it's easy to understand why it may be very appealing for the seller to provide you with a concession instead of simply lowering the sales price. So you're looking to negotiate on other parts of the deal that are not just the sales price. And this is the part of my job that I love the most when I'm representing buyers. This is where this really becomes an art form. So here are some of my favorite ways to save money for my buyers. If the apartment is priced over $1 million, mansion tax applies in New York. You can ask for the seller to pay your mansion tax. On a sale price of $1 million, you would be saving $10,000 in the mansion tax. You could have the seller provide you with a closing credit. For example, you could request something like a credit of one year of common charges from the seller. So if the common charges on the apartment are $500 a month, month, a year's worth of common charges is a savings of $6,000. Also, if there's something in the apartment that you know you're going to need to immediately replace or fix, like maybe an older appliance or a stain on the floor, you can request a closing credit from the seller for the amount that that job will cost you, of course within reason. This works best when the thing that you're fixing is an actual flaw in the apartment that you wouldn't have to do if you bought a different unit. Or if there's a furniture item in the apartment that you really like, you can request the seller leave it for you. And also, if the building fees for the sales application or the move-in fee are significant, you can ask the seller to cover these for you. 
And the cool thing about getting a closing credit from the seller, so whether it be common charges or in exchange for a tax that you're having the seller pay, closing credits are given to you as the buyer directly in cash from the seller at the closing table. So it may actually be even more appealing to you to offer a slightly higher price for the apartment itself and get money back in cash at the closing table. A lot of times cash back right then is even more valuable than having a slightly smaller mortgage. So all of these ideas on how to save money are great, but what you are getting is not the only part of a negotiation. If I was to only inform you of what to ask for in a negotiation, you would ultimately lose the property because you wouldn't know what to give in order to make your offer appealing to the seller. Negotiation works both ways. You can't only get, you also have to give in order for the negotiation to be a success, especially when there's competition for the apartment. So stay tuned for the next episode, episode 8B, where I'm going to be covering how to stand out against competing offers to get the apartment that you want and creative ways to make sure that you win a bid on an apartment in a competitive environment. So between this episode that you just watched, episode 8A, and next week's episode, episode 8B, you will have all the principles that you need to know to make sure that you win a bid on any kind of apartment in any kind of situation. That wraps up this week's episode. I hope you found this episode really helpful. Thank you guys so much for watching. I know how difficult it can be to focus on the future and spending money on property during a time like this right now where the world is just such a scary place. So I give you guys so much credit for being here and for being ready to pounce the moment that you feel comfortable investing in real estate in New York. Please subscribe to this channel. Please also follow me on Instagram. My handle is downtown native. I'm always sharing new updates on my Instagram feed, a lot of New York City lifestyle content personal things, work updates, market updates, real estate stuff, and everything you could want to see, honestly, and more. So definitely follow along on Instagram and you can always DM me if you have questions or if you ever need help with anything. I am here for you guys and always ready to help. And finally, if you would like for me to represent you in your property purchase, I am here for you. I am more than happy to work with you on it. You can send me an email anytime. My email address is christina.kremitis at element.com. I am never too busy to take on new clients. I've been blown away by how many people have been reaching out to me in response to this series, whether it be on Instagram, via email, anything. You guys have been really awesome with your response and I really, really, really appreciate it. So stay tuned for episode 8B where I'm talking about the other side of the negotiation strategy. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week and I will see you soon.